Well, we are starting a new series today called Faith Over Fear, and I'm pretty excited about it. I want you to know the heart of our church is to make disciples, uh, not to make Christians. Uh, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And so the idea is once we believe we are called by God and you'll feel the drawing of him pulling on you to become more uh, like him and less like you. I heard a quote this week that said, if, um, if the God that we worship never rebukes us, we've only created uh, a, a self-idol. And uh, what I've, if he never disagrees with you. And I was like, man, that's harsh. And there's got to be times in our life where God says, I don't think so, Jack. You know? And so I believe that God is doing that a lot of times in, in our lives. And uh, this series came hot off the press. And uh, so hot, actually, uh, we didn't know we were going to do it until Friday afternoon. My, my whole team was mad at me, uh, and, uh, and I was like, man, this is what God's doing, but I can prove it to you. Last night, there's a young lady who goes to our church, came in the first service, and she goes, you know what? It's so crazy. I've never made t-shirts before, but I wanted to make a t-shirt last night, and um, she said, wouldn't you know, I, I made a, a, a t-shirt here, and she said, I just thought it was so unique that you guys are doing a series called Faith Over Fear. I was like, man, come on now. It's the G-O-D hard at work right there, man, I'll tell you. So anyways, this is hot off the press. I think you guys are going to like it. In order for me to talk to you, though, you got to understand that I do believe that this is going to get into all of our worlds and make us uncomfortable. Um, and that's, I really, I pray that all the time, that God would make me uncomfortable. When I, when I am uncomfortable in my marriage, I'm trying harder. When I'm uncomfortable at work, I'm working harder. When I'm uncomfortable in my life with Jesus, uh, I'm praying harder. I'm living, I, and I, I, I pray for discomfort because it's what every American wants is comfort and it's the enemy of progress. Um, and so anyways, that's another time. We're talking about faith here and uh, what I need you all to do is something really uh, like, like, third grade-ish, but would you get out your hands a little cup? I think we all have uh, things in our life that we are concerned about right now in life, and I'm going to talk about that. So I need you to think about your concern. What are you concerned about? Is America falling apart? Are you going to get COVID and die? Is it your finances or your health or your job going away or your job never coming? Your spouse never coming. Your kids um, are crazy. What is it that you're concerned about? You see it? Yeah. Faith over fear. We're going to talk about it today. Thank you for pulling out this little, this little third grade game with jigger. All right, here we go. Well, so uh, what's really neat is I don't often do expository sermons, but today you're going to get one. In fact, you're going to get one for this whole series. And uh, expository sermons are the easiest ones to preach. They're so easy. I love them. Here we go. We're going to jump in. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Uh, we're talking about Jesus. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Big lake, by the way. And they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although the other boats followed. As soon as a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. It's evening time. They're all in a boat, and they're sailing, 
and a storm arises. I don't know about you, but I don't like storms a whole lot. In Florida, when it's afternoon or evening and that breeze all of a sudden picks up and it gets cool, I'm inside, yo. I don't want to get stuck in the pouring rain, especially in Florida rain, right? I mean, Florida rain is no joke. When it says it's raining in another state or another part of the country, y'all don't know about Florida rain. It's real. And um, I don't like being outside in the rain. I, I'll tell you, I, don't, I definitely don't like driving in the rain. Uh, when uh, I, I slow down when it's raining, I, I, I turn into an old person. I grab 10 and 2, y'all, and I, and I slow down. I don't like it when people just feel the freedom to drive as fast as they want, especially when they're on the interstate. It, it makes me uh, nervous, and I hate it because, you know, they'll fly by me, and all that water from their car flies above my and you can't see nothing. You couldn't see nothing a minute ago anyway, but now you can't see it. You know what I'm talking about, that feeling? I don't like it. I don't like the feeling of, of, of hydroplaning. Ooh. That's a tough one, right? When you're, you're, you're driving and you, all of a sudden you don't have traction of your car anymore and you can't feel it. Yeah, I don't like that. Can you imagine how much worse it would be, though, to be in a boat when there is zero traction to begin with, when you couldn't control the direction you were going before and now there is wind and waves all around you and you are... Oh, man. You know, like when your stomach is in your throat... Uh, have you ever been on a cruise and there's a storm? This is what it does. This is a cruise. But on a boat, it ain't like on a little boat, you know, them little boats, it's, uh, it's real, man. Especially like when you go up high and then it smacks down and oh man, and you like, you feel like your spine come up a little bit. It's, it's an awkward feeling. The disciples are at night. They don't have lighting on the boat. They're just lit by what was the stars in the middle of the storm. So it's dark on top of dark. Their lanterns aren't working at this point, and it's raining. And the scripture says that the storm is coming over the sides of the boat now. So this went from, oh, bad, to everyone's awake, to, oh, crap, you know? And, um, and so the disciples are all working, and it's a little bit intense. As the water is breaking into the boat, the scripture says it began to fill with water. Now, I, I, if I'm going to be uh, in a storm, uh, I, a couple years ago, we went grouper fishing. I think it was last year. And I'm standing next to the captain on the boat. And he's got a GPS set up. So we're looking at the screen as we're driving. And I can see where we're supposed to go on the way back from grouper fishing. We got grouper in the ice, yo. We got to get going here. And so uh, we are not going that direction anymore. And I asked him why. And he said, because there's a storm there. Well, in Florida, when you're in the water, you can literally see the storm. I'm not talking about the clouds that are up there that are like blue and then gray. I'm talking about like you can see rain physically. It's, it's pretty awesome. And, uh, but it's nice to be in a boat where there's two twin engines behind you. And you can literally just drive around the storm on your way back in. And, uh, but what's, what's happening here, unfortunately, for the disciples is their boat doesn't have twin turbos. In fact, uh, they don't even have a bilge pump. It's one of the things that we like to check before we leave uh, land. Anyone ever here been in a boat? You want to make sure your captain has the bilge pump working. It's a funny word, I think. It's one of those words I would take out of the English dictionary, the bilge. I don't even know if I'm ever saying it right when I'm reading it, you know, the bilge. Anyways, it's, uh, it's a pump that's designed to make sure the water in the bottom of the boat goes back into the ocean. So you float. The disciples don't have one of those. As the scripture says, it began to fill the boat. 
This is an intense moment. When your comfort zone, the only thing that's comfortable about being on in the middle of the water is your boat. And when you hear that that's not so comfortable anymore, you're nervous, Jack. And uh, let me take you in here. Everyone's nervous on the boat as it's filling with water in the middle of the night, except Jesus. It's kind of frustrating. <laughs> well, come on, Jesus. He says in verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke up shouting, Teacher, don't you care about us? Well, a couple of things you need to know. One, let me back up for just a second. I want to make it clear. We're talking about a series here, Faith Over Fear. And uh, when we're talking about the boat filling with water, that's when your reality is beginning to change right in front of you. And you can see something happening that may not even be happening. But you get to thinking, this is probably going to happen. And sometimes you see too far into the future, but you're not seeing what God's seeing. Scripture says this is what faith is. Faith shows the reality, Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we can't see. It's faith. I wonder how many things in our life that we're choosing to see through the lens of faith. I want you to know, there's not many things that Jesus thinks is a big deal that he's going to talk about over and 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 over again. Like how important it is for us to possess faith. And he's doing that. And so what's important for you to know that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Apostle Paul would say, we don't live by, but we, for we live by faith, we do not live by what we see. And sometimes in the middle of the day, our mind can start seeing things that have not yet come. And we start thinking, what if? Fear would ask you, what if? But faith would say, even if. Yeah. Even if. Don't matter. It don't matter. Now, I got to teach this to you because you're going to see this again and again and again through Scripture. And what's important is that we know as believers, this book is not suggestions. It's either we are lining our life up with this or there's consequences. And what you don't realize is that worry, fear, anxiety will actually take a toll on your physical body. So we choose not to fear. In fact, we walk by faith. Faith does some powerful things, as you're going to see as we get into this. So the disciples woke up Jesus, who was sleeping with his head on a pillow. I, I think it's kind of frustrating because we have these situations, you know, and it's got us pretty worried. And Jesus is chilling, chilling. I don't know what chilling looks like to you, but he's not nervous about the situations that you're up against right now. In fact, he's not shaken. And what I love that I love to remind myself is, is that the Lord is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's currently the end. And every day when I pray, I tell myself that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Why? Because I, I love watching lions when they're in the jungle. No matter what's going on around them, that big old king daddy lion with that big old mane, he's going to sleep. He's going to lick his paws. 
He's going to chill as long as he wants to, and he's not nervous about anything that's going on around him because he knows. And he knows how your situation is going to play out, and you have to know that the Lord isn't concerned about what's got us rattled. But the disciples were concerned. They came to him, and they woke him up, and they called him teacher. Now, why I think it's important is I, why they called him teacher is uh, they could have called him anything. You know, in Scripture, they never call him Jesus. Uh, they only call him rabbi. They call him teacher. They call him the Messiah. But they don't ever call him uh, anything outside by his name. But they called him teacher because he just got done doing a teaching and another teaching. And so they're referring to him as a guy who knows a lot. And I would see in, in this scenario where there's 12 guys on a boat without a bilge pump, what do you think everyone is doing as it's filling with, with water? Everyone's got a bucket, and if we're out of buckets, we're taking our shirts off and our uh, jammies off and whatever it takes to get the, soak up the water and get it to the edge of the boat as quickly as possible, right? And they, look, they come over to Jesus, and they say, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? See, they can see the future but they're not seeing through the eyes of God. And they look at him and they say, don't you care? I don't believe that they're thinking that he's a miracle worker, and I don't think that they're thinking that God can do anything, and I don't think that they're thinking that God is going to do this rant. They're wait like They want Jesus to wake up also. I don't know about you access service people, right? If, you, if, if some people are sitting around you and you're working, wake up, Jack. Let's, don't you care? We're working here. And uh, we're not going to let him rest on our shift when we're working. Anyone else? Uh, you're not taking a lunch break now. They wake him up and they ask him, don't you care? In this sermon today, Faith Over Fear, the first thing I want you to know, I want to ask you, do you believe God cares about this, about your country, about your health, about your finances? Because you got to understand, and what I love about this is that the people that were asking this question is who I believe God is calling us to become, disciples. The disciples, the one that know Jesus, that, that heard his teaching, saw his miracles, asked him, do you care? Because I know that if you're concerned, there's a reality where you're wondering, do you care? And you got to know he does. He came all this way to show you that He cares. He came all this way to reveal that He cares. And if I've seen anything, I've seen miracle after miracle. I've seen uh, financial breakthrough after financial breakthrough. I've seen God move in my family and all my kids. I know that the health that I still have in my body is because He cares. I know that I'm alive today because God cares. I know that He saved me from that car accident because He cares. I know that, that, that you're not addicted to drugs or depressed anymore because He cares. I know that the healing and the reconciliation in that friendship is because He cares. I know that time... And time and time again, God has revealed to you that He cares, and yet somehow we still forget it. Like, they just got done watching Him do a miracle. They know that He cares. They know that He loves people. Why do we forget? Does God care? And I would even beg to ask you, if you know that God cares, do you believe that He cares for you about this? Because that's, that's the hard part, right? Like, I know that he loves me, but is he willing to love me in this situation? Faith over fear. Hmm. 
So in verse 39, what we find is that, uh, uh, don't, teacher, don't you care, we're going to drown. And we always, when, when we're thinking about this, when we're concerned, don't you know that we always see the worst case scenario? If you're worried about your country, it's because you believe it's, it's literally going to explode tomorrow. Like, it's the worst things. That, if you're worried about your kids, you're worried that, like, they are, they are failing and they're no career and they're, right? Maybe I'm the only one. All right. And so in verse, 30, uh, in verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Man, there's a couple beautiful things, little nuggets in here you need to know. One, the first thing is when Jesus addresses the wind and the waves, I love that he, 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 he addresses not the fruit on the tree, but the root of the tree. Watch this. He, he doesn't say to the waves, calm, and then address the wind. He addresses what's causing the problem in our life. So many of us are afraid of our kids or what's going on, but we're not dealing with the root of why everything is wrong. We're concerned about our finances, but the reason why you don't have money is because we spent it all on X, Y, Z, and now we need a miracle. You understand what I'm saying? If you deal with the root, the fruit will change itself. And so Jesus, look at this. This is what he said. He says, silence, be still. He rebuked the wind and then said to the waves, silence the wind, be still to the waves. When you're concerned about what's wrong, you can only deal with what you can control. And after that, you have to recognize, what's, what am I dealing with here? Because if you can't control it, how are you possibly, like, why are you still holding on to it? If you can't control it, you've got to give it to the only one that can deal with it. This is better preaching than you guys are uh, paid, signed up for today. I'll tell you right now. Like, this is, I think this is good stuff. Anyways, so, uh, so then he said, listen to this. So he dealt with the root and then the fruit. And then he says, why are you afraid? Oh, because you still have no faith. This is why your fruit is bad, because you're not seeing through the lens of what could happen. Remember, fear says what could happen. Faith says what will happen. And, uh, and so as I'm beginning to see this, what I realize is that the opposite of fear is faith. And many of us are seeing scenarios play out in our life that we have a massive amount of concern about and we're not responding to it the way that God is asking us to. And what's really neat about this, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? A couple of things I also want you to know. When Jesus gets up and he, uh, he rebukes the wind, I love that he didn't pray about it. What are you talking about? Well, most of the time when Jesus deals with something in Scripture, he doesn't stop to pray about it. He just he de- deals with it because he believes in who he is and what has to happen. Yeah. You know, think about it uh, throughout Scripture. Even when the apostles in the book of Acts, after Jesus, they're walking to the gate beautiful and the, and the guy is sick and they ask if he has any money for the, from the disciples. And he says, silver and gold do I not have, but what I do have, get up and walk. What are you talking about? You telling me, Pastor, not to pray? No, sir. Pray all the time. But what I realize is that most of the time in the hearts of disciples is that the only time we have faith is when we're in a worship set. The only time we have faith is when we're reading our Bible. Why don't we have it when we're just living life? 
Like when someone comes to you and says that their marriage is falling apart, now I need you to have faith. Because now you have the opportunity to make a difference. So the difference in the scenario is that we only, we, it's like we're only spiritual when we're being spiritual. But the reality is that God wants you to possess something that will transform scenarios that we walk into. Where people all around us are talking about this government and everything that's wrong and terrible. And I'm telling you, I believe God's doing great things. Oh, but if this is the worst thing is going to happen. And if this happens and it's terrible and if... No, I don't think you understand. The Lord reigns. And He reigns regardless of what happens in November, however you vote. Like if your idea of, of God's throne and establishment uh, is, is balanced on whether or hinges on the fact that you think who gets elected is going to, man, you ain't read the end of the book. It is only going to be good regardless of how this turns out because God is God. But many of us are paralyzed by fear. All right, I got to get back to the notes. So Jesus uh, didn't have to pray when he, said, when he said, silence, be still. He just said it. Then he looked at his disciples and said, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So one of the things I've realized is what's attractive to Jesus is what I want my life to look like. When, what does Jesus value? Like, what, is, what does God enjoy? What makes God smile? I wonder that. And as I look in Scripture, I can see what makes God smile. The Lord is attracted. I would dare, he really thinks, mm, that's cool. You want to get God's attention, have faith. Here's what I mean. The Roman centurion, not even a Jewish guy, he walks up to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, look, uh, can you come to my house? I, one of my workers are sick. It'd be really, really great if you can come. And uh, Jesus says, we'll go. And he says, you know what, never mind. I believe I'm a hard worker and I have a lot of position, and if I just say it, my workers are going to do what they say. I believe you are who you say you are. If you just say that my guy's going to be healed, it'll be done. Jesus looks around, and he says, look, I haven't seen faith like this, like this guy right here. Hey, man, tell everyone who you are, because you're pretty dang awesome. He's looking at his disciples going, this is faith. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. It's attractive to Jesus. Let me tell you another one. I can do this again and again and again. What Jesus finds attractive. He looks, there's, he's walking through a crowd healing people and someone who's not praying, the Roman wasn't praying, he just said, Jesus, I believe you could do it. And someone who's not praying walks up to him, a woman with an issue of blood, bleeding for 12 years, pushes through a crowd, jumps down and just touches Jesus. Jesus stops what he's doing, looks around and says, who touched me? The disciples are like, are you kidding? Everyone's touching you. Lord. There's thousands of people here. There's people on every side. He said, nope, somebody touched me. Power just left me. And, uh, and, and, and he, he finds a woman. She said, it was me. She's almost wanting to repent and say, I'm sorry. And he says, it's your faith that healed you. Whoa. What's attractive to Jesus? Faith is attractive to Jesus. So when Jesus is asleep in the midst of this chaotic moment in our life and he has to wake up and look at Peter and say, hold my pillow for a second, and he goes and rebukes the wind and the waves, he turns around right after he does this simple thing and says, are you still afraid? Why do you not have faith? Because when he's with his disciples, what he's trying to tell them again and again and again and again is there's a time where I'm leaving and you're going to be on your own 
and I need you to be like me when I'm not here anymore. There's a time when your pastor is not going to be there anymore, and I need you to be the pastor, which is why your pastor is trying to motivate this thing that looks like the book of Acts that wants you to be a pastor of a church. I want you to open your house and your doors to your friends and your neighbors that are afraid to go out in public right now and invite them into your church, into your home, where you have worship and you have the Word of God and you have prayer and you can show them what it looks like because there's a time when you're going to need to have faith. There's so many of us that only have faith when we're in worship and pastors preaching. But there are people that you know, and I can't pray for them the way you can. We've got to activate this thing called faith inside of us. All right. So how do you let... Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this. Without faith, it is... Read that word with me. Hold on a second. Read it one more time. Without faith, it is what? To please God. You mean to tell me that if I go to church every week for the next 25 years, but I don't have faith, I'm not going to please God? If that's what the Scripture says, then I believe it. So what I'm telling you is that if you don't learn to believe God, despite what you see, you miss the whole thing. We're talking about the God of the resurrected. We're talking about a God that's going to walk with us to the other side. The God of the impossible, faith turns on God. It gets his attention. When you're stirred saying, I believe God's going to do something, man, now, we, now we're cooking with oil. We've got to start believing God to do some things that the world and friends and Facebook and everyone else is around us is saying, oh, this is bad. Oh, it's going to get worse. Yeah, it's going to get worse. And God's going to get brighter. And the gospel's going to go out, man. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But anyone that comes to God must believe that God exists. I believe that. And he rewards me because I'm seeking him. And that's the one that's the hardest because we struggle to believe that God loves you and he's willing to do something through you. But that's the whole purpose why God handed us the spirit of the living God so that we, you, me, can make a difference. And if you don't activate that you're somebody important to a world that's dying and going to hell, you're going to trip over the gospel. This is good preaching right here, I'm telling you right now. So how do you grow faith? One, how, how, how much does God love you? Two, two, how do you grow your faith? If it's attractive to God, then I want it to be glowing in my life. Amen. The scripture makes it super clear. It actually answers that question in one specific sentence. So faith comes by hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Jesus. One of the things that we're going to do, we're doing right now, we're launching in our church, and I'm really excited about, I believe uh, I, I am so thankful for the women leadership in our church, uh, that the women have, have a, uh, a discipleship program, the women's ministry here. We're launching a men's ministry. And I'm excited about the accountability that it's going to have and that we're going to make men of faith. Because I'm telling you, I believe that we need to have men of God, men of valor, men of purpose, men of integrity, men of character, men of faith. And so we're launching this thing in our church right now. You can sign up right now on your app. We're going to have a meeting. I think it's next week or the following week. I'm not sure, but it'll tell you after you sign up. We'll email you. Because we need to develop, cultivate faith. Faith comes by hearing, and we got to be indulging, reading the word more, because what's happening, and this is what we don't see, we, we say we love God. 
And we'll watch an hour and a half of Facebook or three hours of television and read the scripture of the day. But we're getting in stuff that the world is telling us is truth. And we just believe this. But this is why we're not influencing anyone because we're not getting truth inside of us. And then we're settling for lies. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said that we're no longer hungry for the things of of God because we've eaten so long at the table of the world. And and so we're asking you to fast with us. I I love the quote that we've been saying this here for for years. We give up things we love for things we love more. And I have said that I love Jesus with all of my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and all my strength. What's time something in my life looks like that? I love food. Y'all don't know me, but I like food. I'm, I'm thinking about lunch before I'm eating breakfast. Uh, and, but I, I'm telling you, I think what's more important in my life is a move of God. And we need to see that. And so I'm asking you to fast with me. Let's get serious about these things because there's a people out there that need it. And I'm telling you, the more you start telling yourself uh, when you're fasting, oh God, I'm hungry for you, you start believing for things. You start realizing, wait, I've been praying a lot of prayers for a long time that I, I haven't even put any meat to. I want to see miracles. Yeah. I want to see the lost saved. Yeah. Well, God, why can't you use me? And you start getting tenacious with your prayers. Man, you add tenacity to a prayer life, and there's some cool things that can happen. I got to keep going. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the good news about Christ. So, uh, so in verse 41, it says, so the disciples, so here's what's happened so far in the boat. They left, they, they drove, uh, they're, they're, they're in the boat going to the other side of the lake. Big rain comes, coming into the water. They wake up Jesus. Jesus wakes up. Says, Jesus, don't you care about me? He wakes up, goes, rebukes the wind and the sea. And then he turns to his disciples and pretty much rebukes them. Yeah. Do you still not believe? Well, they look and they're flabbergasted. They didn't see that coming. Yeah. Like, he, they didn't think that he could rebuke the, and make the, and everything's, wow, that's interesting. Now, we read about it, and there's two options as you hear this. You can think, yeah, maybe, or you can think, yeah, maybe. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the wind and the wave obey him. And what I love about this is it makes me realize again and again when God pulls back the layers and I remember that he's a much bigger God than I gave him credit for. And he is a lot smarter than I thought he was. He is wiser and he has more provision and he has more capability and he can heal and he can, he can set free and he can restore and what can't he do? My question to you is, how big is your God? Is your God bigger than COVID? Is your God bigger than the United States of America? Because if we're not careful, we'll buy into the scenario that there's a man that's the answer. But I'm telling you, there's a scenario in the book of Samuel that said, I never really wanted a guy to be king to begin with. I don't, I, what I've learned is that um, man screws this thing up every time. And God has to put it back together. Uh, I think our eyes are too low 
and we're concerned about something that God is asking us to believe him for. Faith over fear. What are you afraid of today? Would you guys come? How big is your God? Can he do anything? If I was to name this time together today, one of the word of the Lord that I believe that God is saying that wanted to roll out to you today is protection. We're going to do this series. We're going to turn this into a series, and there's a couple different lessons we're going to talk about in faith over fear. And we're going to try to pull back the layers of some of the arenas that we have found fear in where God is asking us to believe him. But I believe today this is about protection. In the midst of a storm, in the midst of craziness, in the midst of stuff going wrong, can God protect it? And will he do it for you? You understand this? Is everyone with me? Jesus, I believe you want to move right here, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit like only you can. I believe you want to move in our lives. And the difference that I think some of us came to you with is that we came to you with an understanding that we bought into a religion, that we only had to have relationship with you on the surface that it's on Sunday morning. But it's a marriage. And a marriage says, I want all of you or none of you. And there's things that's massively attractive to God, and there's things that's really a turnoff. And what we don't understand is that not only is faith super important to God, but fear is sinful. And, and, and it, it hurts God and it offends Him. And so today, what I said earlier, that we believe God when the miracles are happening. We believe when the Spirit of God is flowing. We believe when we're reading our scripture. But it's hard to believe in life. Today, I, there's a prophetic song I wanted to sing over you guys. And it, it, it's about God's protection over your life. If you're here today and God is calling you to a greater dimension of faith, to a greater level of discipleship. If he's asking you to believe regardless of circumstances, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. And our worship team is going to sing this over you. Man, is this powerful. Stand up right here. And I'm going to ask you to just hold your hands out like you're going to catch a baby. But what you're going to do is you're going to catch a revelation. Hear the word of the Lord as we minister to you. Come out of agreement with the lie that you have left me on my own. I am not alone. I come out of agreement with the worry and the fear I've come to know. No, they won't have a hold on me. You never, never, never let me go. You said you wouldn't leave me and you won't. You're right by my side. Protector. I come into agreement. The truth that you are who you say you are. 
often get this straightforward, but I felt like if there's nothing else I do today, I'm speaking to your spirit right now. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. I rebuke worry and anxiety. It is an enemy of the cross. And I come against it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Yea, though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me and your rod and your staff, it comforts me. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it overflows. It overflows because there is peace in the shadow of your wings, Lord Jesus. I'm not alone. I've never been alone a day in my life. And right now, I'm, I'm distributing glasses of faith right now that you would see through the lens of the eyes that God wants you to see, that you would be light in the world, that you would speak into a dead and dying scenario. Behold, I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. Man. You are a big deal. The Spirit of God inside of you is a great deal. And we've got to start speaking into the natural. That God, you are using me. God, I'm going to believe. 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 Man. None. 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 No COVID. Come on. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Jesus said, don't, don't be overcome by, by, by fear, by evil. Be not dismayed, but be of great cheer, for I have overcome the world. And I, I think that we're missing, our eyes are on situations, and they're supposed to be bigger than that. Listen, the, the, the world is selling this, this glass of the, the glass is empty. And I'm telling you, the Lord is selling a glass that says, my cup overflows. 
So your marriage can be on the rocks if that's where you want it, but prophesy. He said, he looked at Ezekiel and he said, speak over the dry bones. What do you see? I see a valley of dead people. Then prophesy, he said. Prophesy. Say to the bones, assemble. Say to the breath of God. Like this isn't just scripture, man. It's alive. It's the word of God. Prophesy. Be not overcome. I'm sorry, I get a little excited. There's a series that we're going to start. And I'm telling you, yeah, I had an old English teacher in third grade. He used to say, uh, it doesn't work if you just do this with it. Like, you've got to read it to get it in you. Like, but if you read it, you get, it gets inside of you. I know it was really dumb, but he had like hair that would stand up. I don't have hair anymore, so you got to get this in you, and when it gets in you, it, it comes out of you. All right, all right, I got, we got one more thing. I got to stop. I'm sorry. Would you have a seat for a second? We're over time, I know, but I, I, what I also know is that this is a divine appointment for some people. There are some people here that you know right now that you're not right with God. There's something in your life that doesn't make God proud. And it, it's sin. It's what it is. God, he loves you. He loves you. He'll always love you. He is a daddy. And daddies love their kids. A good daddy. A good father does. It doesn't mean he's going to like everything you do. But he's calling you to him. And what he's saying is, son, you did something wrong and you're hiding it. Don't hide it. Daughter, don't hide it. I love you. And you're here right now, and you're watching right now, and you're, you're, God is saying that there's something that you're not letting go of. If that's you, I just want to say a quick prayer for you. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, please, for the privacy, you're online. Would you just say, pray for me? Or you're here, would you raise your hand right now? If that's you, say, man, there's something that ain't right in my life. I got to fix that right now. Man, that's awesome. God bless you. Well, and he loves you right there, right now. This is the way this works. He already knows. And the way a father does is they already know. That's why they're asking. The moment that you say, I've done something wrong, is the moment the father's heart is just so moved. Because you're already forgiven. Jesus, I've done wrong. And you know it. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me by the blood that you shed when you died for me on Calvary? I can't fix what I've done, but you can. Lord, would you teach me to love you? Would you teach me to stop loving evil and learn to love what you love? I'm trying. Give me your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. My heart is trying to fall in love with you. I bless you all today as you walk out these doors. Know that we're walking into a world that is hopeless. And if we don't change our, the way we're talking, they'll remain hopeless. But faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the good news of Jesus. And if they just hear of the good news that God loves them, he's committed to them and he's protecting them. Man, their world can change in a second. I'm believing that God is activating things through this fast in our church, in the leadership of our church. 
in those that are being called to our church. God, let me see what you see. And all God's people said, I love you guys. Man, what a cool service. So proud of you. Man, God is good. Never.